Hello and welcome to a Collecting Cars podcast that's not a Collecting Addicts podcast. I'm sitting um, at Litchfield Motors in a Porsche Taycan, which is the perfect podcast studio because you can have the heater on without the engine running. And I'm here with Marino Franchitti, my friend of many years. And the reason we're here is to talk about his involvement in a really interesting project over the last couple of years, which is Michael Mann's Ferrari film. Um, I want to know what it was like to be in a big budget film. I want to know what it was like to have hair. Uh, and I want to know what it was like, what it is like to sit there and see the reception of this film, which I think, I think it was a great film. And it's not because my mate was in it, because I thought it was surprising. But some people have given it a bit of a kicking because they didn't like uh, the lack of Ferrari action. But I actually thought the film exceeded my expectations because I loved it. I thought it was a really brilliant film. And it wasn't about cars. It was about people, wasn't it? That was the that was the first warning. Was it's about people, not cars? Would you agree? Yes, and that's what I found interesting about it was when we're talking to Michael about it. He was so into the detail for the cars as much as you can be, considering he said, "But you got to remember, it's not a racing movie." I'm like, all right, so why are you going through all this? He's like, "No, no, I want everything to be right, but it's not a racing movie." And I remember reading the script the first time and thinking, three months." And when was that? When did you first read the script? Uh I'm trying to think. So we filmed it end of or middle to the end of 2022, end of 2021, perhaps. My friend, who's one of the producers on it, PG Van Sandwich, he said to me, "I'm going to be doing this movie with Michael Mann about Ferrari, and I really want you to be involved." And he was in a planning meeting with Michael and said to Michael, "My friend Marino races a." 57 Maserati 250F should really speak to him about the cars and everything else and Michael said to him well I know him anyway because years ago my brother's ex-wife made a movie with Michael and Michael used to come and watch my brother race at Long Beach every year so I'd see him once a year knew him a little bit and it was strange from there it got on to okay Michael wants to do a call so then we get a call with uh, uh, Robert Nagel the the stunt coordinator and other people and this I'm on this really weird Zoom call with my father in law Nick, Nick Mason, uh Michael Mann, PJ, an Italian gentleman who I can't remember who it was, uh Robert, and we're talking about the cars and having read through the script and talking, Well, you gotta watch with this and then you want the cars to move like that and they were on it. They knew everything. So were you initially no... were you initially thinking I'm gonna be a car consultant on this and not have a role on it? Or were you thinking I'm gonna end up having to have false hair? No. There was no thought of hair at that point. The only thing I thought was there was a there's an amazing scene in the the film where a Maserati two fifty F is being thrashed around uh what what is meant to be the Modena Autodrome, which doesn't exist anymore. It's a park in the middle of Modena now. And I thought, and, and the, just reading the script, I could see it. I was like, oh man, I want to do that. I just want to do the stunt driving for that. It is It is Nick Mason's 250F in the film. It is the real car, yeah. The so, one that you were racing at Goodwood this year. Yes, yes. So it went, there was two or three real cars in there. And in the Melee Melia stuff, there's a lot of real cars, but uh, that car was used a lot. And that's a great thing about Nick is, he's like, yeah, get on, use it. Yeah. Use it properly. And there was a point, I think, where they touched wheels while filming, and it's truly truly used to its full potential by uh, Derek Hill um, aside that was really cool so, so Derek is Phil Hill's son is he? Phil Hill's son yes and a, a great driver and has worked in several movies including Ford versus Ferrari lovely guy too he it was special for us 
at 10 tenths who, who look after next cars because Phil drove that car uh, a long long time ago he did a book um, about driving different cars and there's a really cool picture in the workshop of Phil sitting on the wheel of that car and we recreated that in a field in Italy uh, and it meant a lot you can see what it meant to Derek to to drive the car also so anyway kind of getting ahead of ourselves here but it was a it was just very interesting I, I knew a lot of the people involved in it uh, straight so, away but there was no my thing was talking to Michael on that call was yeah that bit with the 250F I really fancy a bit of that so I've got a bit of a we've discussed this on our on the Annex podcast and I think you'd have the same opinion as me the there's a paradox in one's reaction to hearing about a car film being released for me there's an initial excitement and I think I'm so glad that my world is going to reach a, a wider audience because I'm so proud of being in love with cars and I'm proud of, of just how clever our industry is and how beautiful the cars are but then I have this immediate fear of oh god is it going to be rubbish because so often these projects are rubbish and there's nothing and I've been in your position in different ways where I've thought to myself I'm going to say yes to this I'm going to help out and then it dawns on me that it's rubbish <laughs> and I think to myself I need to run away from this how do I hide from it did you at any point think oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, I need to run away from it, I'm embarrassed to be part of it, or am I stuck in the process where I have to style this out? I don't think you did, but are there any moments when you did think, oh, God, this is not what I thought it was? No. No. Honestly, no, because... A bit of backstory to Michael. He used to race Ferrari Challenge yeah. in the States. So, massively passionate about Ferraris, understands... It does. I, I think it doesn't matter your skill level as a driver. If you've raced, if you've gone through a race weekend, no matter what level... You You're have, emotionally competent. You know it. You have an insight of, yeah. of a driver's psyche and what they go through. Yeah. That's can my under- excuse anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> laugh, Marino. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Whether you can understand it at the, the level that we're talking about is, is a different thing. Yeah. But he wanted to honour Ferrari in the right way with the way they did the cars... And I could see straight away the people he had involved, what they'd done before. Just you talk to people, and instantly you go, "Right, they know." And without being, without wanting to make you feel awkward, I've been in a position in my professional life where I was presented with someone who was very famous, who I was told was a massive car enthusiast, and it quickly dawned on me they weren't. They were a car collector. And there's a big difference, isn't there? You can think you're a car enthusiast, but you find you get found out pretty quickly. So here's another thing that is important to note about the film: it isn't just a film that's come out of the ether. It's effectively a dramatization of the Brock Yates book, isn't it? And that that not enough not enough people know that because so it, it's the story is it's a brilliant book what he wrote, but it, the book is the basis of the film, isn't it? I'm just going to cough for a sec. He's drinking water, <coughs> uh, and it, it's a rare I can't thing. Stand, I, I can't stand the the sound when people are doing things like this, and you can hear the clag. Like when, when they're a bit dry we, we're, we're in, in Litchfield's Taycan and there's a massive welt of phlegm that's just landed on the <laughs> screen at the front there sorry sorry Ian I'll clean that up carry on <laughs> Bro- so, it's, it's the Brock Yates book the, the, Brock, the basis yes that is the basis for it and it's it's quite an uncompromising book um, it was probably the most controversial presentation of the commendatory that anyone had ever seen wasn't it and a lot of Italians rejected the book as being uh, lacking in respect, didn't they, back when it was written? Yes. I think he was presented to the the country and the world in a very two-dimensional way. And I think the book 
And what the movie does is bring that third dimension and fourth almost. It, it brings him to life. It truly brings every f- part of his character to the fore. And also, as a professional, you're you're one person. As a family man, you're another person. There's a bit of you that you just never want to talk to anybody about. And we all have that. And it, it doesn't matter who you are. That is the, the reality. And I feel that the movie captures, and the book captures so much of that. And I think the script, you know, Michael had been working on this movie for 20 years. It's, it's a true labour of love. And I think when you see the way he filmed it, the effort he put into every single detail of it, it, for me, comes across. But I'm, I'm so close to it, it makes it difficult for me to be in, in any way objective about it. Well, I, I've watched it, and uh, there, isn't a, there isn't a perfect film for me. Uh, there's some that get very close. So I, I'm not looking for perfection. I just like being surprised. And I came f- away from it really surprised in the fact that I wasn't frustrated that it wasn't a car film. You know, you're not you're not watching this to be smoking the bandit. It's not every other scene doesn't have a car in it. In fact, the start of it, there's a, it's car heavy at the front. But the, you know, the, the large chunk in the middle is a human story and it's utterly compelling because what it does, as Marino says, is it delivers this this presentation of a human being and he's exactly as I expected him to be he's he's unexpectedly loving and caring he's brutal he's selfish he's powerful he abuses his power but he allows himself to be seduced by his own power he is mercurial and I read a review in the one of the broadsheets about saying you know Adam Driver shouldn't have played that role he wasn't Italian I can't I can't disagree more. I thought he was absolutely brilliant at it. I really did. And as for as for Penelope Cruz, his wife, Jesus Christ, her presentation of a damaged, powerful woman is as good as anything I've seen. Okay, I'm I'm not a film critic. Me either. But But you know, you w- go and watch that film and watch the first ten minutes and when she's when she when she lands on the scene, you you, you know, you're not under any illusion as to how powerful she is and and how how twisted her life has become, I thought it was brilliant and it was compelling to the point where, when the car bits start later on in the film around, there's no secret the race is the milla milia. I was a bit kind of can't we have a bit more of the people. You know, I love the car bit, but I could have had another half hour hour of 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 their personalities of the clashes of the absurdity of this parallel relationship he has with another woman. It's brilliant. It's incredible, and I think that. The, the power of her performance and Adam as well the way they bounce off each other but, but what she brings to it and it, it was one of those things I watched and I was just like well she just has to have a, an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress she just has to and it's, I think what's, what's amazing is it's a, <clears throat> it's a study in loyalty so however much their relationship falls apart however painful it is she has this ultimate loyalty to him that you you almost can't understand. She has every reason to be disloyal, doesn't she? She does. And, and also what they've built together. Yeah. I think she has a loyalty to Ferrari as a company. Yeah. She understands what they've created together. And that's interesting because history, the history books and enthusiasts just view it as an Enzo's toy. But, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, but behind every powerful man, you know, it wouldn't have happened, was it? The scenes of her going to the bank, of her clearly having... she She's the only person he trusts financially to share the predicament of Ferrari. She knows everything, doesn't she? Apart from the yes. extra family. And yeah. that's, the, <laughs> that's the interesting part. It's interesting. So everyone knows now that uh, Piero Ferrari, Piero Lardi as he was known, Enzo was in a relationship with his mother. They had Piero. But he had this 
parallel life, and he wasn't recognised until, until. What does she stipulate? She stipulates he can't be recognised until she's passed away. Is it? Yeah. Which, yeah. Which was how which was how it happened. But I met Piero at the premiere that you came to in London, yeah. and I You'd just couldn't see... help it. I just could. I met him before, but I saw him there. I, I was like, there as well, but he obviously didn't invite me to meet Piero. What, what was that? <laughs> we were just actually when I just spoke to you. I think you were late. Actually, also, you late also, we're sitting day. in this car. Yeah. You've got your heated seat on, and I've not. That is profoundly unfair. I'm not having that at all. Go, I, carry I, on. I, I didn't so, so, and Piero obviously and, is a very interesting character. Uh, his his relationship with with the Ferrari brand is pretty complicated. Absolutely, but I think for me it was it's such a. It, goes beyond that into his life and i was so interested to see what he thought of it i was like what do you think that was just my he's, first question he's pretty, he's, he's, like, he's pretty central to the film isn't yeah he? and he's i love it and that's what he said to me i love it I said, did how many he ha- have you seen it he's like four or five I was like, did he have an editorial veto over the film that i don't know nah. i don't think so i don't think that's how michael works michael is incredibly focused and incredibly he knows what he wants truly knows what he wants and uh, I think along with uh, Eric Messerschmidt who was the director of photography sorry can you say that name again Eric Messerschmidt that's not real it is is it he's also he's an air cooled Porsche man so is he like him. yeah he was cool has he got a bubble car no he does no, not has he not he does not oh. but he's incredible so you see the other movies he's done so have you seen this one um, uh, Killer uh, no the, the guy that races a Porsche in Le Mans Oh, okay. I've heard of this. Fastbender. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's him. And there's yeah. very little dialogue in it. But if you look at the way that... He also did that uh, devotion about the Navy flyer. Yeah. If you look at the way he captures film... So he was director of photography, was he? Yeah. Him and Michael together, what they captured and how they captured it. And I think that's... Talk about the car stuff, that sort of handheld in the car. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. And I think the contra- the only bits of controversy <laughs> were probably... CGI people don't like CGI so much and I think if you if you do such a good job of filming cars in the real sense you you place a much greater burden on the success of the CGI don't you because the car stuff looks so good the CGI's got to keep up and I think I don't have a problem with that at all the only but the only thing for me was that was there's a bit pretty gory bit at the end that I was watching thinking I'm not sure I need to see that but again it's real I get the fact that it's it's recreating what happened but I just was like wow that's one of the most shocking things I've ever seen on film yeah you hear the whole I've seen it four times the first time I saw it was people no, just go <gasps> don't yeah, they there's a, just this intake of breath from, from everybody um, the first time I saw it was at Michael's office in LA sitting on my own in his screening room even I was like, ooh. Yeah, oh yes. That's, that's going to smart. I, I um, Did you get to hang out with Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz? Did you ever, did we ever shooting scenes with them or not? You no, weren't? No, no. Uh, well, sorry, yes, I was with Adam, uh, my, where I go to you're at the, the track, track to you? die. Yeah. Yeah, we did the scene together there. The, the one time we were all together. As a, he's as a, a massive dude, isn't he? He's huge. He's lovely. He's such, such a calm presence. Yeah. Um, Is that because you think I better be calm because he could actually <laughs> snap my neck? He does have that energy that it wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. He was in the services. He was before. a marine. Yeah. Jesus. But he, my first. Did you call him Kylo Ren or not? I did not. I managed to stop. But I, was I bet you attempted. Oh, I was totally thinking about Star Wars. I know. Go on. Can't believe that you killed. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> in case you haven't seen uh, the new Star Wars, I won't go any further than that. Uh, 
So getting back towards the beginning, I was then thinking, right, this is what's going to happen. Nick's happy that they use the 250F. We are going to go and have a lot of fun skidding about in the 250F. And Michael's like, sends me an email like this. I want you to, uh, I want you to play Castellotti. And my first thought is, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we got on a call and he's like, look, he said, you'll be fine. Sit back. Michael, I'm not an actor. He said, but you'll be fine. I'll direct you. You'll be fine. It's like three lines. You'll be fine. Okay. Then the thing comes from the production guys. Uh, can you start growing your hair? I was like, mm, in places. Yeah, I said, but I'm ready for wig this work. Is, this is a non-visual product, but just to let you know, Marino has about the same amount of hair as me, maybe even a little less. No, and, I have less. And, and spends most of his time with it fully shaved. So he is, he's Duncan Goodhue spec. So the idea of him having hair for a film is unconventional. Yes. So I did say that's not happening. So I then... Who did the wig? Sorry? Who did the wig? Who did the wig? This amazing, amazing... Uh, I can't remember his name. Aldo, this Italian man, who's like a, a you know Oscar-nominated... Uh, makeup and hair uh, artist and he was so cool like this really old cool Italian were you allowed to keep the syrup no god no they're, they're a fortune they're like 25 30,000 dollars yeah but who's got it then <clears throat> it goes into basically a library of wigs and then someone else will someone sorry. else will be wearing my sorry, you, sorry you, <laughs> you have a product that's in a library of wigs yeah, so in I how do you know in, this you've asked the question so this means you asked for the wig no I asked where the, I definitely didn't want the wig what a pain having hair is you forget what a pain it is. But they, I go to, going back a little bit, then they're like, right, you need to come to, you need to come to Modena, we're going to do some fittings, and we're going to do a cast read-through. And I'm like, all right. So then, they'd already sent me some, I said, look, just make it as simple as you can for me. So they got, Do you have to be unionised? Do you have to be... Oh yeah, I'm SAG. Oh you? I was on, I was on strike for a good part of last year. <laughs> But it was funny as going, going, sorry, talking about the SAG thing. It's a really hard thing to get. Yeah. And it used to be called equity, didn't you? You have to, you have to qualify, don't you? Yeah. So I was sitting with a, a guy I know who is a proper actor. Uh, uh, come on, don't do yourself down here. Well, I'm not that, but he is like proper. He's, he's a well-known actor. And we're sitting there having a glass of wine and a bit of dinner. He's like, so what did you do? I was like, oh, just a standard side contract. He's like, so hang on, you got a side card now? He's like, yeah. He's like, you wanker. Oh. He was so annoyed. Like, that's you so take it sides. Well, he just said that. So No, he just said how difficult it is to get that. So Why did you get one? Uh, because I had to have it to be Sympathy? able to. Sympathy? Yeah, well. Scottish, my, did, you my, play, did you play the Scottish card? That's my second game? movie. Did so you I'm, Did you play, what was your first movie? Well, I did a little bit of uh, stunt coordination on that. Uh, it was more a documentary, the Ferrari Race to Immortality. Yep, yep. So... A lot of Ferrari centric stuff, which yeah. is funny because I'm a Porsche guy, really. Aren't you I? are. You really, oh no, but actually, when you see you at Goodwood, when we see you at Goodwood, you're driving Italian stuff always. That's aren't true. You? Actually, you don't have to be one or the other. You can be all things. You can be all things. So, so, but yeah. So, um, so then you come to Italy. I arrive in Modena. Very funny. Like the, the whole hierarchy and how things work and who, who's. It's a really good point that because if you don't work in TV and film regularly. They're just like human beings. But you realise there's a really strict hierarchy, isn't there? And, and it takes a while for it to emerge. Because you can't walk into people and go, are you important or not? Yeah. What, what you want is to go, are you, could you make me lose my job? But you can't, can you? No. So how quickly did you suss it out? And how many did you get wrong? I didn't get any wrong. I just I just sat and said nothing and let people tell me, right, we're going here now. Okay. 
So first of all, we go for a. I went for a wig fitting, and the, they they don't have. They they measure you and then they make the wig, and it's proper hair. It's really cool, but the fitting. Sorry, it's real hair. It's real hair. So they. That's they, disgusting. It's brilliant. So they um. The first thing, the first wig they give me. What sort of like, hair is it, by the way? I don't know. Is it's top hair, not. It's definitely top hair. Okay, right. I mean, I don't think you can grow it that long. Well, I know you can, but shh. Carry on. I shouldn't have gone there. Sorry. <laughs> so. The first wig, they're like, the guy's like, this is just for sizing. This is not your wig. So he's like, just put your head down. And this is quite a long wig. You'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. So I put my head up. like, And it is like my brother is looking back at me. So I'm like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. I get my phone and take a picture and I text my brother and I say, Dario, I'm off to do some really dodgy stuff. I'm going to blame you. And you're not going to be able to say that it wasn't. For those of you that don't know, Marino's brother is... Dario Franchitti, who won the Indy 500 a few times and is quite famous. But Dario, for some reason, has got the most ridiculous head of hair. He's half wolf. Marino is half egg. Exactly. Th- there's a difference there. Yep. <laughs> but he was he he was shocked. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> he thought at first I'd sent him a picture of himself. And he's like, but that's not my hair. So anyway, you do that. You do the fittings. Do some clothes, which was fun. There's a massive warehouse of all these clothes. And obviously playing Eugenio Castellotti... He had a very, he was very, he was very um, tailored, very... Was he? He was very buff, I mean, Jesus, it was such badly cast. <laughs> you know, he was known as Eel Bello, he was gorgeous, and then you've got me. I wasn't expecting the bedroom scene, oh. and it's interesting speaking to Mrs. Franchitti before the screening. She said, shit, there's a top half nudity, I thought, no, there wasn't. When it came on, I didn't even spot it. I didn't even spot you. You were looking so buff and ripped, mate. I thought to myself, "Did you, he must have got in the gym. I was definitely in the gym. Were you? Well, I'm in the gym normally anyway, but I was like, I'm not I'm not training just for driving racing cars. And there was a lot of time sitting about in Italy doing wig fitting. Do you think our stuff. friend Rich Tuttle could have carried that off, that top half thing? No, of course he couldn't. No, because he's a bit skinny. You he? wouldn't have seen him. If he lay on the side, he'd have disappeared. No, I know. Um, so, so, you, so you've got so, in the gym. So you've had, you've had. I a... wasn't in the gym much. This is like, so I start looking into this guy and I see he's buff. I've got like two weeks, so it's literally. <laughs> but luckily, you know, I do work out regularly, so it wasn't too too big a stretch. But then they do the fittings, and at the same time, there's a. Oh, I can't remember Ben's second name, but there was a. They're like, okay, so if you go in that trailer there, uh, the dialect coach. I'm like, all right, cool. So they've sent me video, they've sent me uh, recordings of a man speaking in the accent that Michael would like. So then... Are there any actual recordings of the man himself? Any audio recordings of himself? Not that I found. And no. I looked pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so I can just shut yourself down. Press, press on again. Is this this button here? Hang on. Thank you. Ooh. No. And, sorry, that was my... That was my ooh for the noise of the Taycan start itself. They are quite nice, aren't they? It's a very cool thing. So... It's probably depreciated 10 grand in the time we've been sitting in it. Probably more by the time we're finished. Yep. And so I go in and see Ben, and I said to him, I said, Ben, I'm, I'm no actor. Make it as simple and as straightforward and as, like, paint by numbers as you can, which he did. He was amazing. So he went through, he said, well, tell me how you want to do it, and I did it. And he went, yeah, not bad. And then he picks out bits of words. He's like, work on that. And at the end... We kind of agreed, let's try and make it so you don't sound completely Scottish, which I think we man- managed. And the first time I watched the movie, I'm like, this is terrible. But then when I watched it subsequently, I'm like, do I stick out? And it doesn't stick out too no, badly. No, I, I can safely say as someone that is part of a WhatsApp group with you that is brutal in the way that it deconstructs people's lives and is so piss-takey, 
you didn't. I didn't even spot it was you to start with. My brother in law didn't. By my my brother my brother in law, my sister's husband saw it last week and got well. to the end and went. I Which thought was... you said Marino was in it. Yes, but also you are slightly undone by the fact you were playing an Italian character and you have the most Italian sounding name. In fact, your name is so Italian it sounds made up. It does. How much Italian do you speak? Zero. <laughs> Very embarrassing on the movie. Did you did you come away from the movie thinking I've got to learn Italian? Yeah, and that's I've made not one step <laughs> towards that since then. But yes, I did. So I was in Italy, and everyone would just start talking Italian to me. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine because I've got another friend who's who's a stunt driver called Mauro Mauro Carlo. Who's he? He looks Italian. His name's Italian, and I, remember, I first went to to do a trip with him in two thousand. I think Autoguy's work experience. He's a stunt driver now. He's great, Mauro. And I said, can you sort of stuff him? I don't speak any of it, mate. I've got the name, but I don't speak a word of it, mate. And I think, I, I can imagine you get away thinking I want to learn it now. So badly. But mum speaks fluent Italian, and she, when we were young, that was the time where, if it was uh, Di Simone, the Ferrari test driver, Raffaele, that told yeah. me this. His mum spoke English, but didn't speak English to him, because at that time, they thought, I don't want to, you don't want to confuse kids. So it does annoy me that I can't speak Italian. But I need to actually do something about so, it. So you're on the set. Yeah, so, so I've done that. And yeah. then, we, so we do that. Then I go to this beautiful hotel and you walk into a room and there's a table of about 15 people and it's got chairs with the your character's name on it and your script in front of it with your name written right across it. And then everyone comes in. So we all arrive at the same time. And it's Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. And uh, interesting, Patrick Dempsey was in the movie and he's... A really old friend of mine. So that was he was on a Zoom from the States. Who again, most of us didn't even I didn't even recognise him in the movie. He, they'd done such a good job of him. Yeah. That I went, Oh god, that's him. I didn't even recognise him with his hair like that. It's a bit like what I didn't watch the other day, I watched Oppenheimer and I, I didn't even realise it was Robert Downey Jr. until about twenty minutes into it. So maybe so, what they can do, we had no makeup, interestingly, but we had the uh, stick on eyebrows and the stick on eyebrows really change. You didn't face. even need eyebrows. Nah, but they stuck on. They did every day. They use like they use um, the spray glue for for wound glue, and they stick them on just gently. And but yes, yeah, so, so you turn up. Sorry, we will get back to it. We turn up at this the, this reading, and then I'm sitting at a table, and everyone goes through the script. They're not trying to do it in their accents. They just read through it from start to finish, the whole thing. Got a table read, darling. Okay, so I did a table read. Thanks, and. Anyway, we get through this, and then um, Gabriel Le- uh, Leone, who plays uh, Di Portago, who takes my, well, in the movie, takes my job after I pass away, who is also going to play Senna in this new Netflix okay. thing, and he is going to be a superstar. He's just such a nice guy, so talented. And we're chatting after, and he's like, so what kind of stuff have you done before? I'm like, oh, I'm a racing driver, mate. He's <laughs> like, yeah. sorry, what? So, yeah, not an actor. And he's... Yeah, he thought this was quite funny. But yeah, so you do that, and then I, I went back to Italy a couple more times for fittings, to make sure my wig fitted okay, uh, a little bit of testing in cars. You didn't need really much of that, though, did you? You're very familiar with the car. The cars was okay, but it was driving their thing, so they got the, 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 the sort of beautifully handmade 801 bodies on. It's, it's like a Catrum underneath. Yeah. And they did such did a Did they make them especially it. for it? Yes. Yeah. By the same company who made the bodies originally in Modena. And also the cars that they crashed for my untimely death. Yeah. Is there's nothing there's like a very simple frame underneath, but it is a proper handmade body. And they shunted two of them. You think Not nice to money. look. Not nice to look at. Oh. 
So, where was it? Where were the track scenes filmed? So there was this old like Formula Three spec airfield that they found about an hour and a half north near Turin, right, north of Modena, and they resurfaced it and made the bits like where where I have my crash. They it made looked, it look like Modena. Autodrome. And it did look like an old track to me. Yeah. It's nicely done. That was amazing. Uh, so he did that. Uh, the, the rest of it was all filmed around Modena. But I went and drove the, the 801, and they'd done such a good job with it. This British company that built the cars. They'd done such a good job with it. The only thing that I could add was, let's put the pressures of the Dunlops up a bit so it moves about a bit more, because yeah. it obviously isn't a lot of power. But they were, during that as well, they were having all of the actors who were playing racing drivers, so Jack O'Connell, um, who plays uh, Peter Collins, they were all drilled day after day after day on driving so that they could pull in and pull out properly in the yeah, film. Yeah. And any bits that they were doing, it looked right. It had to, but they did it with with confidence, like they knew what they were doing. So so you, you just entered the point that's really important for me because part of the, the idea that sometimes when we hear about car films where euphoric, euphoric and then we think, oh, God, it's going to be another disaster, is the idea of when you watch a film as a car saddo, you're almost always disappointed because there's a point of continuity or there's something that you go, wow, that's not right. Or as you say, the idea of it not leaving the pits with a bit of, with wisps of smoke coming off the back tyres, how you'd hope to see it. Were you, did you have an eye on that when you were filming it? Or did you think, this is the thing I found very difficult with Top Gear, was that I would, initially I thought I had emotional control of that, but I realised it wasn't my responsibility. And they told me to Foxtrot Oscar quite early on. So it's not your problem. I think it kind of is my problem because my name's all over it. But were you watching out for that and think and thinking, I want to say something, but I can't? Or were they on top of it? I think they were, first of all, as on top of it as I've ever seen anyone. I think also I trusted the people involved. But I'd done some telly stuff before, and I knew that. I knew I didn't have. I felt like I could control that, and I just can't. So yeah. it allowed me to relax and... <clears throat> excuse me. allowed me to relax and just enjoy the process. I was... It was one of those things I said yes to it because I didn't want to get to the end of my life and regret not doing it. And I didn't regret a bit of it. It was such a... So it was really good fun? A huge amount of fun. So how, how many days, weeks in all were you, were you required? So I was on set twice. So the first scene, the bedroom scene, yeah. was filmed at like midnight, end never of thought, a day. I never thought you'd say to me, the bedroom scene. The bedroom scene. Yeah, neither did I. It was so funny. Me and my Did you have are... a fluffer or... No. <laughs> You're in a room. I was in this apartment in the middle of Modena. It's meant to be dawn. Get the old hairdryer on the on, on little merino because because <laughs> it, it's cold. You must have been like on oh, pair of socks. Well, luckily, it only goes down to the chest. <laughs> the main thing is I don't want to leave my wig on the uh, pillow. Move the wrong way <laughs> and leave and leave the wig on the pillow. It was. Have you seen, by the way, at that point, I've mentioned this on the on the on the Addicts podcast. Have you seen that bloke on Instagram that's got one of those steel leaf blowers, and he waits by bus stops, and if he spots oh. a woman that he thinks has got a wig on, he just goes up behind her and fires fires the wig off. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's the most tangential thing I've said on on a podcast. Carry on. So you didn't want to leave the wig, but it was, is it stuck onto you? Yes. With what? Two, With that? It's two parts as well. Is it? Which that's one of the things. So there's a bit at the back because when you've got no hair at all, then if they don't have that, then it looks like a waterfall and it doesn't follow the contours of your. Uh, have you learned a lot about? Have you learned a lot about wiggery? A lot about wiggery. It's funny though. I'm getting the wig fitting, and uh, Pat Dempsey's sitting next to me. Pat's getting his hair bleached. 
And he was like on his third bleach. And he was pretty much crying because it burns so much. <laughs> I thought, you know what? Sometimes it's not bad not having hair. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was on. So the first one was the the night scene. It was midnight and they've lit it from outside. They do. And it makes Those it Those big light boxes that come outside the windows. Oh my God. On a cherry picker. Yeah. They're cheap, aren't they? Oh. But I'm in this tiny little room with about 30 people. Massive rig over the bed facing down on me. Sort of. <laughs> it's like when your kid comes in the room. Right in your face when you wake up. Yeah. Did you choose some garlic to wind her up? Oh, or? I was like, poor, poor girl. I'm like snuggling on me. But the... Um... Do you check your pits before? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but there's... You gotta be a... You gotta be a good uh, sort of co-star. <laughs> it's very weird. Like, okay, you're asleep. You know, Michael's like, right, you're asleep. I'm like, okay, I've got to relax. Let's try and relax. It's like, okay, phone ringing. Yep, pick it up. And there was a point where, when they were filming the other side of this for Adam, they wanted me to phone up and be on the phone. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fine. And Adam's like, yeah, I don't need that. And I said, yeah, you know what? Let Adam have the <laughs> night off. I think I'll be okay. So Michael's just saying Adam's lines, and I'm. Replying. And we go through, I think, maybe like 15, 20 different takes. And that was like one trip. So that was one trip for two days doing that, a little bit of driving. At what point did, but when you say 15, 20 takes, did you think, I don't understand why we need to do this so many times? I'm not going to get any better. No, I got it. Did you? Yeah, because Ben would come in, he'd be listening, and he'd say, that word there, just that letter, just roll that, do that. Is it also fair to say that... I'm I I not an actor. <laughs> well, I, I, I had lunch with someone on Friday, and she used to be part of the Top Gear crew when I first started. And what she said one of the phrases she used to say most was, if you want an actor, hire an actor. And I would the whole time. And I, I maintain there's one of the worst things you can be is someone who's on, you're on set for other skill reasons, but they expect you to act. And yep. it, it's not, you respect actors so much. You think, you know what? It's a profession. They have a skill that I don't have. It's a bit like, you know, asking me to be an accountant. I can't do it. And I, I, I felt very exposed and I hated it. And at times, looking back, I felt unsupported. Sounds like you felt supported. I definitely felt supported, but I also thought, if Michael thinks I can do this, I'm sure I can do it. And it's only, whatever, three or four lines. And I really put in the work. Like anything. I, it was like someone turning up to do uh, to, to, to drive. If I feel like they haven't invested or they don't listen or they're trying to... Well, like your teammate in the St Mary's this last year. Yeah, well, he was all right. He was good. Very handsome. Small brown lad from uh, Bristol. You know what I mean? It's how people approach things, and I thought... I, I took it very seriously. Yeah, so you respected the process. Respected the process. Ben and I, I would, like, send him just voice notes. So I I put... I, I, I just can kind of come across as messing about, but when it comes to... How many like lines that, did you have to deliver? Uh, four? I think, and I think this is the bit that I have to I have to say to our dear listeners: if you've got 150 lines, you're not forgettable, but those lines blend into the film. If you've got four lines, and you don't get them right, people remember them. They I, really do. The cat, the cameo, the cam, the cameo out. that goes wrong is a disaster. And I've I've had this. With, you have this with your with your boy as well. I've had it with my kids with the school play. They'll go. I've only got three lines, and I'm like. Well, that's even more. That's even tougher because if you balls those up, all your mates remember them forever. Yep. And that's and also I didn't want to. You can see how hard everyone was working. I also just didn't want them to go through it 50, 60 times because I'm not. Prepped. So, so the so the the acting obviously is 
it's not what you do for a living. You've got your head around it. You're respecting the process. The driving. Did you then think, actually, the driving is the point where I can actually, I can look good. That's the that's what I do. I can impress them. I feel comfortable and relaxed. Did you feel like that? Or did you still think, I've got a lot of people filming me here? Uh, no, that was, the driving bit was always easy. So the moment I was then, okay, so then you drive off. I can do that in my sleep. The, the, then the next scene I did was me arriving at the track, which yeah. was months later. Yeah. But is you know a couple hours later in the movie <clears throat> that was that was interesting because that's a big set a lot of people working with um with adam uh yeah it's it, there was a other driving around that which i wasn't allowed to do just because i was filming that day like, really in case i bashed myself up but I, I did do around that there's bits in it where you'll see the car going between the camera and the actors and that's me like, yeah, we're just going to put everyone here and then Adam's going to be on that side. And uh, you just drive between. But you can drive quite fast. I'm like, and I'm looking down this and there's massive crew on one side, massive Hollywood actors on this side. I'm like, if this goes wrong, oh my goodness. So I did it as fast as I was comfortable with. But that bit was all easy. And again, the you, you forget about all those movements. Like you, I In the scene, I drive up and I jump in the car. Yeah. Again, I know how I jump in a car, and I'm like, no one knows how how he jumped in a car. I'm going to do it how I jump in an old car like this. And that's what I did, but it's like, okay, you're holding your helmet. We want you to hold it like that. Yeah, don't turn that. Turn it. You have to think about so many things. And you'll know as well as I do, apart from when I'm doing my impressions of you walking. Yeah. If someone says to me, right, just walk there. Oh, you start thinking about it. Well, I can't walk. Neil's got hours of, Neil Carey's got hours of me walking, and it's doesn't look like me walking. And if I want to completely throw someone off their stride, as they're about to walk on camera, I always say, don't think about your walk. Yeah, exactly. And then they're done. Then they'll start walking like me. Yes. Well, I do. I'm, I'm better walking like you than I am walking like me. So so, so, there's, so there's that, then there's getting in the car, but then I've got to deliver lines, and I've got to deliver like my face to, as Adam's like doing his bit. And How much more respect do you have for the <coughs> acting profession now? I always respected it. I was lucky to be around a lot of film sets, and I saw the... The effort and the, the preparation that goes into it. So I was always... There's a latent skill they're born with, though, isn't there? Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. But also how they, they inhabit that. and Yeah, it's a very impressive thing to be around. And, and as I say, it's, I think you could tell it's something I respected massively before I went in. So I, I approached it as I would like people to approach yeah. what I do. But even just the first run through, Adam like throws in a funny line. And I then, every take after that, can't get that out, and I'm trying not to laugh because I'm trying to be serious. Um, but we, we do that, and then it's, yeah, you do a few runs, and I drive off, and I go past. And there was one where it was like, Michael's like, all right, when you go out, drive around, pull up again, we'll, we'll reset, we'll go again. And as I'm coming along, I can see, they've got the camera in Adam's face, and he's doing his bit, and I can see his hand under the under the camera, waving, like waving me on. So I just keep going and do another lap and then stop. And I said to him, I said, thanks for the direction. He's laughing. He's like, yes, yeah. I didn't know. He's like, they were saying, ah, oh, it'd be great if we could just keep this one going. So I did. Um, but it was his presence as a, as Enzo. He's really, I think I think you see that in the movie. He's a lot younger, but the, the, the he doesn't have a huge amount of makeup on but I think they've done it really well he doesn't the, need it no the makeup and the, the, the sort of the fat suit and everything else and 
he inhabits it really well. He has an energy that I think uh, sinks well with yeah. who Enzo was. He, he he captured. Maybe I'm just. Maybe this is just a very fortunate coincidence. But I think if you're a car enthusiast of our age, you didn't really ever read about Enzo when he was alive. When he died in what 1990 was it, or was it before that? It was around then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like 80... Was it, it was early. No, so it was, yeah. So it was when the F40 was announced. So 88. So, you know, I was 13 years old. I, I read about him already as a posthumous figure. But I've read a lot. And I just was very comfortable with what I was seeing. I just thought, this is how I've imagined him in my head. It's a bit like the first time you, wa- you watched the Harry Potter films. You know, some... You know... Hagrid was bang on, wasn't he? Snape was bang on. You know, some of them really just snapped and worked for you. And I think I just saw Enzo. I just saw this complicated soup of emotions that was delivered by one of the best actors alive today. And I, I, I sound sycophantic saying that. There's one more question for you before we before we wrap this up. Um, I, I've my experience of making films on a much smaller scale than than you've been experienced there is that you know sometimes when something isn't brilliant, but it's very difficult to disassociate yourself with the effort that goes into something the team that's worked hard and and the end product. You know, you want to say, what you want to say to people is, I know it's not brilliant, but respect everyone that did this and respect the fact that I was part of it. I'm really proud of it. So actually, but I, I think this is a great film. Don't get me wrong, I really do. But when you see things, when people say, oh, it's not Kari enough and I, I think an Italian actor should have played Enzo and I think, you know, it's, it's a bit disappointing and they can, and also they compare it to that Lamborghini film, which was for me, really disappointing. They can't even be mentioned in the same bloody sentence, those two. How do you respond to someone that's part of it? Do you feel deeply sort of protective of the of the product and the people that did it? Or do you think it's just, just the way human beings operate? I think I think it's it's one of those things, isn't it? People have their own they have their own preconceived ideas about it. And I think that's where Michael set set it out from the word go. It's not a racing movie. I think the effort that he put into the racing parts made me proud, really proud actually. Um, and whether there's bits like in the Mealy Melia where they're wheel to wheel, that's not for us. We know that's not how it was in period, but to tell the story, it's a movie. You have to tell the story. You can't just have a car on its own. No, you can't just piling have through those trees no. in northern Italy because eventually that footage will become very boring. Yes, exactly. And so the, the, he has to make decisions for his story and I love the way he's told it I love the way that he makes three four months of one year feel like a lifetime yeah so many things going on and when I watch it there is just a lot of pride uh, in being a small part of it but also in what he was able to do what the, the producers putting it together it was so difficult to get this movie made and these people who complain about these things they should again like uh, even if there's bad car movies out, if people keep, if there's bad car movies out there, it's better than having no car better movies. Better than having no car movies. I agree. Now this isn't. This is a wonderful movie. This is for me a very special thing. But what I mean is, all these movies that are getting made, we should be thankful. Yes. Because it's like when people are like, "Oh, I want this made." You, oh, I want a manual, whatever, and then they don't buy that car, <laughs> and then they get upset because it's not being made anymore. And it's it's, it's but there's a again getting back to the. the there's a pride for me and I, everyone has to have their own opinion on it and they have to there's it's one man, one man's vision of this 
while there's things I would then have gone, yeah, I might have just changed that a wee bit. It doesn't matter. It's Michael's vision and the way that he's brought it together, the way he's captured it. I mean, the light alone in this movie, the way it shows cars and people and the countryside, it's a I work would, of art. I, I think um, because of the way it was funded and, and the where it's going to be broadcast, it'll be on, it'll, you know, it's available on your streaming service. It'll be on your telly through your, through your sky. But it's a big screen movie. You really need to see it in the cinema because the action scenes, which we'll talk about now, which I, I, I don't know. You didn't, did you do any of the pro drop, what we call the pro driving for the millimilia scenes with a different hat on? You didn't. No, I was, so, I, I was too busy with yeah. other work. So, it was... so, so, so there are, you know, the, the film for me is, is effectively in thirds. There's, a, there's an establishing third at the beginning, which, which gives you the frictions and the difficulties and why the millimilia mattered so much and how it was um, a race against Maserati. Effectively, you know, win on Sunday and sell on Monday. Um, then there's um, that establishes through a second part of the film, which is really about Enzo's very complicated relationship, having a second family. Uh, and the last bit is is the Millimilia itself, with which is very is very carry, and there are some beautiful cars being driven at speed. But as we know, they're bloody difficult things to film, aren't they? They really are. And I th- I still think he did a fine job. I oh, really do. It's so beautiful. It's stunning. It's... It makes it may, oh, b- b- a final point of on my on my monologue there. It made me want to go and drive in Italy. I wanted to get in a car. It didn't matter what it was. Even if it was a higher car, I wanted to go and drive those roads again. Because I've done the Millimilia, and it is... Well, the recreation, which is nothing compared to the original. But it's... it's they're just beautiful roads, aren't they? That's gorgeous. And the, again, the way he's captured that, and the the stunt drivers they had, a lot of Americans, I mean, Ben Collins was there, a lot of other top, top stunt drivers. Jesus, they did some good work. When yeah. you see some of the stuff that didn't even make it in the movie, they're... I couldn't have done a lot of it, that's yeah. for sure. They're just unbelievable what they can do on I, one take. I think it's um, it's a stunning film, and I, I urge everyone to go and see it, but go and see it on the big screen. Even if you've got a massive 100-inch full-on Chav-spec TV at home, the, so, you so, have to see it on the big screen, don't you? It sounds like we're going to have to do a collecting car screening, driving somewhere. I think we will. I think we will. Um, did you? Would you do it again? Probably not, No, no. Because where are you going to go from this? Some, yeah. Some Michael Mann movie about Ferrari. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. Will you always have him on speed dial? Uh, we're always talking about cars anyway. So it's like Motorsport Magazine wanted to do an interview with me. And I have to then ask uh, Michael and the guys if I can do that. And Michael's like, oh, I love that. So then he did a did a big interview with them. He's, he's a car guy. What's like, his current Ferrari? You know what, I don't know, he had, he'd gone through a few, I don't know if he'll have, he went and did a lot of driving of modern Ferraris, so he's probably then picked one of those up, but he's, he's just a force of nature, like he is unbelievable, he is, he's, he's written the book uh, Heat 2, yeah. and he wants to go and film that, and yeah, who knows what he's going to do next. Would you get him along to the revival? He needs to go to that, doesn't he? We did discuss it. Um, Wouldn't he love it? I, th- I know he's too famous, but but actually, surely to see those cars actually racing each other—it's the only place really you can do that anymore. I think he's too focused on work. I think I'd love him to have done it this year, but he was so into then doing last little edits and cuts, and it just—I just don't think it will happen now, unfortunately. Okay, Marina, thank you very much for telling us about that. That's that for me is one of those schoolboy dreams because I think all of us would love to be in a film, um, especially one around cars. So to do that, 
fair play. I thought you were wonderful in it, and actually, I do prefer you without hair. Because it, because well, that's I, lucky. But like your, like your, your brother-in-law, I, I didn't spot you until we got to the track. You lying in bed with a syrup on, I didn't recognise you. I just didn't recognise you in the nicest possible way. Ah oh, well, my job is my job here is done then. That's uh, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much, Marino Fanchetti, and we'll be speaking to you again soon.